You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. The Earth year is 2024, but what is the star date? Alan Seiler. Hi, everybody. And Veronica Daschle. Sup. And this is our first episode of 2024. Woohoo! So, woo. Yeah, we thought it'd be fun to count off our favorite Star Trek episodes of 2023. We had a pretty incredible year of Star Trek over yeah, the last did. year. Yeah, we did. I, I think all the shows that are running had, um, I mean, they're knocking it out of the, out of the park with their episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to start off with all of our number fives and count up to our number one episodes um, for 2023. So I guess I will start it off and I'll say my number five favorite episode of 2023 was Those Old Scientists. From Strange New Worlds. That's right. Yes. And that was so good. I said this on our episode, but I thought that, that it, it did a great job of being a good episode of both shows. And you don't mm-hmm. always get that with crossover episodes. Right. Um, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. They did a great job. And I thought that um, the actors did a great job of playing their characters in live action, which, I mean, they had to go back and reference their mannerisms <laughs> and stuff because they don't perform their own mannerisms on the yeah. show. They're animated by the animator. So I, I just thought it, I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. And it was just a fun Star Trek. All right, Veronica, what's your number five? So my number five was The Last Generation. Ooh. Um, Ooh we that wouldn't install that. Again. Yeah, I, we went and saw that in the theaters, so it was a ah. lot of extra fun um, to see that with a bunch of other fans and being all excited. And I mean, it wasn't like a great, amazing episode, but it was it was fun. Mm. That's what you'll see of most of mine. They're not great, amazing episodes. They're fun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever criteria you choose to pick your episodes is all you, baby. But it also has meaning because, as you say, the the first episode of something and the last episode of something sometimes have their own built-in significance, mm-hmm. as that does. And as everybody knows, and there there are detractors who say it's too much of a fan service. But Terry Metalis really, really, really wanted them to have a good send off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he felt the movie was what was the last the last movie was Nemesis, right? And <laughs> he didn't like that as their send off, so he wanted to do right by him, and I think he did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Keith, what was your number five episode? My number five was 17 seconds Mm. from Picard. And for those who don't remember, gosh, this is a horrible description, but the actual online description is Picard grapples with a life-altering revolution while the Titan and crew try to outmaneuver Vedic. In the meanwhile, Rafi and Worf uncover a nefarious plot. What I like about that is... Rafi, as I said many times, was not my favorite character. I had personal issues for her portrayal in the first two seasons. And Worf has always been used a certain way. But I remember reading that Michael Dorn had a huge problem when they told him they wanted Worf to have white hair because he didn't want to look old. (laughs) And the two of them in that episode, not only were they both used effectively, but they are damn good in this series. Mm. And then they work well together. So well together. 
Yes, and all of Rafi's backstory works in this third season. She has true character growth. And at the same time, while that's going on, you have this cat and mouse with Vedic, who I personally think the actress and Amanda Plummer might have been a little over the top, but the dynamics between Picard, yeah, the dynamics between Picard and Riker are great. They also have shown character growth and change. They have to find trust in each other again. There's a question for Monda if Picard actually has the stuff to command again. Mm. It's just a really great episode that breaks a little bit of the TNG stayed mold that the series mm. had done. And I love it for that. Awesome. Nice. All right, Alan, what's your number five? Okay. Moopsie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really, I really debated my lower decks picks because, and, and I, I just want to say that we had three series that had a season this year, and mm-hmm. there was not a single episode that I disliked. Yeah. So this was not only a strong year for Star Trek, but at the same time, it was really difficult to pick you know, to narrow down to a top five, there were a few that were like unquestionably top fives, but right. you know, there was some that I really had to debate about. And, and so I went with Moopsie because I watched it very recently with my partner and really enjoyed it. I mean, it's such a fun <laughs> episode. And like yeah. Veronica said, this one I picked mainly for the fun factor. There were some <laughs> other ones that came super close to occupying this number five spot, but mm. in the end, Oopsie took it. So, <laughs> there you go. Nice. Quick behind the scenes, guys, when we were talking offline, I was saying, did anybody have a thoughts about their favorite series of the year? And Alan said, I really don't have a favorite series of the year because all are excellent. So yeah. mm-hmm. that is a thing. That's an amazing thing to be able to say. Right on. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go right ahead. I was just going to get a couple of comments. Elaine says, pretty Yay. graphics. Thank you very much. Yay. So if and you're just listening, you should come watch the YouTube video of these awesome graphics Alan made. And Matt says, cook? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I might. We'll, we'll, we'll see how the, how the job descriptions evolve over the course <laughs> of this show. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I really debated putting this list together, whether – it was going to be my favorite episodes or what I thought were the best episodes, which aren't always exactly, the same thing. exactly right. 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 Yeah. Um, so I did sort of a combination of the two. Yeah. So <laughs> my number four episode is under the cloak of war uh, from Dude. Star Trek strange new worlds. That may come and up again. Yes. yes. Spoilers. <laughs> how many, it'd be interesting how many of these episodes appear on, on multiple places on, on different lists, but yeah, um, under the Cloak of Four, I felt like it was a return to like DS9 level storytelling mm. for Star Trek, mm-hmm. which is tough to do because DS9 built it up over time. You know, I mean, Strange New Worlds were only they only have 20 episodes out so far yeah. for us to get to know these characters. And yeah. I think what holds me back from it being higher on the list is I, I the ending isn't particularly Trekky. And I, str- I go back and forth about the ending. Um about whether I, I mean, you can't just kill someone at work and then fly off to the next adventure. <laughs> whether 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 your coworker said it was that ambassador started the fight or not, you're there's going to be like a trial and stuff. I know they can't do another trial episode, but I felt like that was a little too episodic there at the end, and I wish that he would have worked through his his issues in a different way. But I mean, yeah. it was a very powerful episode, and I love that they tied back in the Discovery Klingon War. Um, because I just like when the, the shows reference one another. Absolutely. 
I love sometimes the sometimes the most mundane seeming statements are powerful. You just can't kill someone at work. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. That's how the world works, though, man. <laughs> but I, I, you know, when we talked about this, um, when we did our show the week that it aired, uh, you know, I was saying that Dr. Mbenga was one that in the first season, I just never really developed a connection to. And I didn't really find, you know, that much depth into him. And I liked him and I was really excited about him being on the show and seeing where he would go. I never expected it to go here. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I feel like in season two, man, season two was Mbinga's year mm-hmm. and they did such good stuff with him. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I loved the character in a whole new way in season two. Right. Yeah. All right, Veronica, what's your number four? So my number four is something borrowed, something green from lower decks. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I really like, um, how they fleshed out the Orions because a lot of the other series have fleshed out various um, aliens that we have seen before but hadn't really been fleshed out so I was really enjoying the, the this type of fleshing out of the Orions and being able to see that hey this is kind of the um, traditional <laughs> publicly known Orions um, but also still getting a little bit of that oh hey here's how Tindy grew up and and why she changed and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that one was on again, off again on my list because I really enjoyed that. And it's doing what that you should do for a Star Trek is, you know, take a, a character. I mean, a race from Star Trek and make that one of those race, you know, part of your main crew and then flush them out, see their world. And I love that they're doing that with the Orions after mm-hmm. all this time. Finally. Yeah. All right. Keith, what is your number four? My number four is imposters. Ooh. Obviously, I, I don't think I have recency bias, but <laughs> it, it but again, what I liked about it, um, and I'm, I'm fleshing this out because we're making good time. Um, so many people talk about the first two seasons of the card, which I pretty much don't like and don't, you know, I don't intend to revisit. And one of the things Patrick Stewart said was he wanted to come back for a reason. He wanted to tell a story that made sense. He didn't just want to be Captain Picard again or Admiral Picard. Imposters continues this trend of showing these people in both the same and a different light. And in this case, this is where the thing that you used to for every Star Trek show, the hero comes in, bluffs their way through something. Kirk said in the movie, pass themselves on the back for their cleverness doesn't work. And this is where the captain who I didn't like at first of the Titan basically calls them on, excuse my language, they're bullshit. And come in here because you're all these legends and basically, you know, mess around with me. Well, this is not, this is, this is not going to happen. And in this episode, the the captain even gleefully talks about not, not uh, looking forward to maybe their court martial. And <laughs> what happened to them? And, and again, it just shows it kind of almost deconstructs the myth of the Star Trek hero, the legend. Of course, at the end of the series, as Veronica pointed out with her thing, it it uh, it does that again. Of course, the great hero is going to save the day, but it also shows this old poem called "Golden Boy with Feet of Clay." They have feet of clay, and I love that. And I love the fact that Picard and Riker can't use their charm and their wit and their history to basically snow somebody. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for those who haven't seen it yet, and one other, the two words for this show: Roll Aaron. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And there are some really powerful scenes between her and Captain Picard, which mm-hmm. frankly yes. 
I mean, she left the show when I was like 12. I never expected to see Rolaren again and have Me right either. resolution to those episodes. Um, right. So that I thought it was fantastic too. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think modern Trek is doing so superbly is, is bringing back some of these characters and giving them a whole new resolution, you know, a whole new mm-hmm. gravitas. Or yeah. in Doctor Who terms, Mavitas. One real, <laughs> one real, real quick spoiler. I heard not just from fans, but even from Terry Metalis himself, is you can't be sure. This is a huge spoiler. You can't be sure that Rolaren is dead. And I heard Terry Metalis. Now, some people may say that's cheap. But I also remember we talked about Picard is they seem to have a habit of bringing back characters and killing them off real quick. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad if they found a way for her to have survived. So if you want to give yeah. me some gobbledygook that she beamed out the last second, hey, I'm all for it. <laughs> right. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. All right, right, Alan, number four. Okay. What is my number four? Oh, yeah, I remember now. My number four <laughs> is I think the first one of the repeats that we've had, and that is the last generation. Yeah. And I'm just going to say that I was super excited about Picard season three, mainly because of the reunion of the next gen cast. And, mm-hmm. you know, I like good storytelling, but I also am a sucker for nostalgia. <laughs> and this final episode was such a nostalgia fest and mm-hmm. all yeah. it did the the second half of the prior episode and this entire episode was nothing but like a next generation greatest hits. And that's all I wanted from it. And I felt like it delivered it in such a great and exciting way. And it did things in a way that could not have been done on next generation. You saw the ship in action and the crew in a way that you would never have seen them depicted on next generation. And I felt like it really, I mean, it did everything that I was hoping it would have done, Mm. you know, give a big hero moment for the, for the clunky old ship pulled out of mothballs from the museum and (laughs) soaring into the rescue. And I loved it so much. And, you know, this one is definitely one of the ones that made it onto the list simply for the fun factor. Right. But it's nostalgia, but it was nostalgia done really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's so, a legitimate reason. It's just for that. It's fun. I mean, it's art yeah. and entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It looked beautiful. It was well paced. It was filmed. Well, the, the actors were spectacular. You know, everything about it was just a big win. And, you know, after a couple of seasons of Picard that, you know, maybe were a little (laughs) iffy, they they would get started really well. And then it would just lose me halfway. Right. This one kept me going the entire season Mm -hmm. and delivered in the biggest damn way it could have at the end. Mm -hmm. And it, it did everything I hoped it would do so big win for me. And I guess I'll pause between each uh, set of numbers, I guess, to see if we want to touch on any comments or anything like that. If you, um, I saw there's a few, a few folks has a few. Yeah. Cause comments. we're making good time. This right. We, we are making surprisingly good time. And half an um, hour. Let's see. Matt Sweatman says enterprise has the most chill HR department imaginable. <laughs> I don't know what that means or what that's in reference to. 
That was probably Mbenga. Yeah, when Mbenga murdered that ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me just explain. He said HR. I was thinking PR. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it made no sense to me. But now that I know we're talking about HR, I totally understand. <laughs> and then we, have, we have a Facebook user. Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, so much more on Orion's now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's one, you know, that's every time we've gotten a new Star Trek series, it always felt like each series adopted one of the established mm -hmm. races and really developed them in a big way. And uh, I think the Orion's are really benefiting from the, from the modern Trek era. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and on next gen they had a bias against using Tellarites and Andorians and Orions and yeah. I mean even Vulcans were few and far between on next right. gen. Definitely. But Definitely. I mean we went I mean it was really it was Enterprise that got that started again, going back to those races and the new shows mm -hmm. have embraced it. Yeah. All right. My number three is Ad Astra per Aspera. Which, Ooh, baby. Hang on, let me find there you are. <laughs> I thought it was just Ooh. a fantastic episode. I mean, great. It's using courtroom drama to, I mean, tell a, a, a social justice story. You know, yeah. it's it's using the the space metaphor for things that are going on in the world and also fleshing out number one's character. Um, yeah. It would have been higher on the list, but there was an awful lot of that episode that was the crew members watching Star Trek on TV, which, <laughs> you know, I would like to. And we talked about this a little in our courtroom episode. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have preferred for like Pike to be a lawyer and number one to be, well, I mean, for Spock to be a lawyer, et cetera. But um, I, I wish they could have been more involved through the meat of the story. Although I did yeah. feel like there was a fantastic guest star and she did a great mm -hmm. job as the lawyer who was defending Una. Yeah. With, and of course she has a personal history with her because you, and you know, opposing counsel is still the captain's girlfriend because you can't get away from that in Starfleet. Yeah. <laughs> Starfleet are going to find your friends, relatives and ex-girlfriends to be, to be on the courtroom. Exactly. <laughs> that was almost the trekkiest thing about the whole episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> they also had a, a, some really nice up, updating of stuff from like the 23rd century like courtroom, like court martial. And also a beautiful redress of that Starfleet command facility from Discovery, yeah. where they turned it into a courtroom with a big mural. And I just thought it was really, yeah. really well done. Agreed. Now, I, I right. know a couple of us I, are going to have more to say about that one a little bit later in our show. So yeah. stay <laughs> yeah, we'll tuned. Some, we'll, we yeah, should have I, some time at the end to, to circle back on some of these. Yeah. One thing I'll comment real quick on what you said, Charles. I think you called out something very, which very cool, which is. Uh, and, and people talk about this in the real world. In Star Trek, the trope is they always grab one of the commanding officers and sometimes force them to become a lawyer. And mm -hmm. I know people say that doesn't happen in the real world. Like, you know, they wouldn't grab the chief of staff from the army and say, you got to go defend this private. And so I agree with you. It was kind of cool that they finally, honestly let lawyers do the lawyering as they should <laughs> in the show. <laughs> if I'm ever accused of a crime... And my boss is my attorney. And my <laughs> girlfriend is the judge. Just throw away the key. I, <laughs> no oh, this is key. great. So Charles, this is great. So Charles has been arrested for killing a coworker, and now his boss defends him. <laughs> right. Great. <laughs> oh goodness. All right, Veronica, number three. So number three is Parth Ferengi Heart Place. <laughs> oh right. yeah, we knew we were going to be a Ferengi. What, what did I mess up? No, go ahead. What did I mess you, up? What? You didn't make it plural. I mean, uh, possessive. Oh, Parth okay. Ferengi's heart place. 
Oh, okay. It's okay. No big deal. Carry on. <sighs> whatever. That's what I had written down. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Just say Mootsie, Veronica. It covers everything. <laughs> no, but um, obviously, Fringy episode. Um, but I also really enjoyed how they like played up that um, Tendy and Rutherford relationship. And how everyone's like, oh, they're in a relationship. They really love each other. And then they did this thing and they're like, yeah, this doesn't really work for us. Let's just go back to being friends. Ha ha ha. Let's jump in this tube together and we're going to be on top of each other. Ha ha ha. This is so normal. This isn't what friends do. Um, and then Mariner's whole storyline that was going on, um, which came to a conclusion at the end of the series. This is kind of where I really saw it kind of kicking off. Mm. Yeah. And I forget, Veronica, we talked about that. Where did you land on whether they should stay friends or have a love love relationship? Uh, I don't remember where I was then, but I'm pretty sure I'm friends. Ah, okay. <laughs> depending I'm on the day, <laughs> I have a different opinion depending on the day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is another one that was on my list and off my list and on my list and off yeah. my list as I was putting it together. Yeah, it was definitely one that I considered as well. Yeah. All right, Keith, number three. Okay, finally getting off of Picard, the inner <laughs> fight. <laughs> okay. Ooh. And that is, I, at the end of the day, when all this is said and done, we do a retrospective of all the new, well, this is not the new track, the newest track. I don't know if Prodigy or Lower Decks will come off as my biggest surprise because wow. I didn't have doubts about Lower Deck. I just, Lower Decks, I didn't expect it to be as good as it turned out to be. I'd mm. never seen the creators work before. I'd just seen pictures. I knew nothing about these guys. And Laura Dex, I think I mentioned the first, I couldn't, um, um, I couldn't stand the characters. Well, not all the time, but sometimes her character would get on my nerves because she would talk back to her mom. And it seemed like they were playing up a little bit of the humor of her being this irreverent officer. But again, they've done that, that word that I'm going to overuse. They've shown character growth. Yeah. which I did not expect. I mean, they could have, as some people who don't watch the show think they are doing, stayed in a slapstick show and just told jokes every week. They're not doing that. Right. They're doing character growth. And this show also, again, we've talked about, this show is not even an hour and they pack in so much good stuff. There's mm -hmm. the thing on with us repairing the satellite. There's this thing with her mother and them basically kind of going undercover and her mother showing her skills outside of just being a starship captain. There's the whole thing on the planet. There's the whole thing with the fighting the Klingon and the Cardassians and the bonding between her and the Klingon. There is a lot going on. And then the mystery is deepening. And um, as you said, Veronica, we'll find out what's going on with her toward the end of the series or the, the, se yeah, the season. But there's that going on with her. There's the things going on. And this is, it really honestly feels like a live action show with all these scene changes. And I am just blown away by the writing in this series. Just absolutely blown away. Yes. Yeah. Can't argue there. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and somehow I'm missing a graphic. For, so uh -oh. Sorry, I don't have one to show for Keith's number three pick. We'll act it out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keith, if you'll just like write it on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alan, number three. Number three. Hang on. We need that remember. dude from we need that dude from Dave Letterman. Remember they would call <laughs> the out the, the guy they, he'd call out his top win and that guy would repeat the number with a great voice. <laughs> oh. Well, my number three is another repeat, and 
It is those old scientists. Yay! This was the one that I was most excited for. You know, yes. being loving uh, the first season of uh, of uh, Strange New Worlds the way that I did, mm-hmm. and being such a huge fan of Lower Decks. When they announced that there would be a crossover between those two shows, I lost my mind. I couldn't, <laughs> I was so excited. I couldn't wait to see it. I, I didn't know how they were going to pull it off. I didn't know if the the two crossover characters would remain animated throughout the live action episode. I thought that would have been a cool approach. I think that yeah. was sort of maybe what I was expecting them to do. Having them translate into a live action setting as live action characters was almost better. Yes. And I say that because the the two actors who are, you know, mainly do their characters in a a, a, a recording booth. They just come mm-hmm. in and they read a script and they read the script basically for the for the season. I mean, they do it very quickly. Mm-hmm. And now they're like in, they're basically Im- embodying their characters for the first time. And I was yeah. so excited, first of all, for them to get the opportunity to do that, you know, yeah. because I think there are there's so maybe a subsection that maybe considers Lower Decks to be not legit Trek. Right. Because it's an animated show because it's a cartoon. And I felt like this maybe lent some legitimacy Mm-hmm. to it by bringing these characters into a quote unquote legit live action show and right. that they sold it as well as they did and that they were true to their characters. Um, I just, I just thought, thought it was great, but then it was also just a really good episode. You know, it was a <laughs> yeah. fun show that, that delivered on all the bases that it promised. And I thought it was an, an incredibly successful uh carry over from one to another and mm-hmm. it, it yes. totally embraced all the uniqueness and all the specialness of both shows. Absolutely. Indeed. All right. Want to grab a comment real quick? Let's see. Matt Sweatman says that Charles should have a puppet as a <laughs> lawyer. <laughs> Does he mean I'll- you should have a lawyer puppet or <laughs> a puppet that's a lawyer or I'll I'll take one of my puppets over my boss if I'm going to go into court to fight for my life. <laughs> we'll take the Spock puppet. Thank you very much. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a quick break to go to a commercial. And then when we come back, we'll count down our number two and number one episodes of 2023. So stay right there. Epsilon 3 is a dream given form. It's a home away from home for three guys to watch a 90s sci-fi classic TV show. Three guys with microphones over 3,249 miles apart, all alone in the night. The year is 2262. The place, Babylon 5. The podcast, The Epsilon 3. On the ESO Network. And thank you to Matt Sorry. for that nice segue into the commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to play a second one and it didn't activate. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's okay. We'll save it. Okay. 
All right. So let's kick it off with number two, my number two episode. And I cheated a little bit. <laughs> uh, oh, cheater. Yep. Because I counted the the two part finale of Lower Decks as an episode. So right on the, the inner fight slash old friends, new planets. Yeah, um, baby. I was rewatching these over the holidays. And I was just thinking like they can't figure out how to do a Star Trek movie. Just get Mike McMahon to write a Star Trek movie yeah. because this thing is every bit as epic true. as any Star Trek movie that's ever been. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, and it's got such great character hooks and the Keith already mentioned this, but I mean the, what they did for Mariner's character. I mean, this could be the finale to the show. If they had, if they had got canceled, this would have worked really well because it recontextualizes everything that Mariner's done for the last yeah. four years. It, it gives us her backstory and I think it really smartly ties her backstory in with the original Next Generation Lower Decks episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Because Agreed. it's the death of, of, of Crewman Sita. And I don't know. I, I love – I mean I, I, I totally buy that her friend died. Her friend who wanted to be a scientist died on a spy mission in Cardassian space. Right. And she was like, I don't want to be the person sending these you know young bright kids who want to be scientists and study plants off to fight the cardassians and die um i i just thought it was really well done and i had said leading you know leading up to the episode that i was hoping that mysterious ship would be a new race and we'd get something new <laughs> it wasn't it was it was something from old trek again but um it was a, it was a pull from old trek i never would have expected no right i mean <laughs> no kidding Really, you know, you, you feel like Nick Lacarno has been, you know, overwritten now by, by Tom Paris, yeah. right? He's got right. his, it, it'd be like having Armin Shimmerman come back and play that first Ferengi that he played <laughs> in the next gen. Like, <laughs> you would never expect that to happen because he's got a better character now. He's more right. well known for that. But I thought they they really handled Nick Lacarno well. And the, so the, well. the entire two-parter was just so smart. And I loved the portrayal of Captain Freeman. I've said this over and over on the show, but yes. I like when Captain Freeman is shown to be competent. Yeah, right. she's not the captain of the Enterprise, but she's still the captain of a starship. And too often, I think on the show, they have fallen back on, you know, she'll be petty or she'll let her emotions get in the way of what's going on or her pride or just being incompetent. And they sort of mm-hmm. play into that expectation in this episode during her, her 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 attempts to get into the bar and like, well, no, we're we're a we're a we're a roving gang, and they're like, no, you're wearing Starfleet uniforms, right? <laughs> she's being doofy again, but the whole thing was her plan, and yes. I I love that, and she had some real hero moments uh, when they you know crash in that battle, uh, that super star destroyer into the force <laughs> field, and you know flying the captain's yacht in to save the day. I just thought the entire thing was a success, and I thought it was a really great resolution to what we've seen so far on lower decks, but also. So opening some interesting doors is, you know, what's going to happen next? Are we going to see Mariner now, you know, on a mission to become a captain? And yeah, yeah I thought that would be an incredible flip for her character, but also one that could get a lot of comedy out of. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. A couple of comments that you said real quick, Charles. I'm going to cross the streams like crazy. But in Ron Moore's remake of Battlestar Galactica from a few years ago, the character Starbuck was introduced as being kind of irreverent and always get into fights and stuff. And there's one episode where there's a there's a really crucial battle because they're running out of the fuel, the uh, the plutonium or whatever you call it, on a panium to let them jump as fast in the light. And Starbuck has been injured. So she, who is the greatest pilot by far, she has to plan the actual attack and then stand back with Adama and watch the pilots go into battle instead of leading them. And she has to listen as people die. 
right. the whole thing that Adama tells her is it's a lot harder, isn't it, Starbuck, when you just stand back and watch people die instead of being mm -hmm. out there. And what you said about with Mariner and Sito and how she doesn't want to be that person, it reminds me of that. It's it's easy to criticize, and so many times you just want to go out there and you know do, go with your fist, but standing back is tough. And I right. do like that story for her. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, yeah. and the other thing I was going to say, you made a really good point about Captain Freeman, because the show itself passed off the concept of second contact as a joke. But it's not a joke because, mm -hmm. you know, if everybody there's a there's a thing I mentioned a long time ago. There was a podcast I listened to that said in, in Captain Kirk's original Enterprise, there were no rearview mirrors. Kirk would put right. some plan in place and leave. We're like, yeah. what the hell? You know, what's right. going to happen with the, the people of the Apple? What's going to happen with the people of Landry? Yeah. He, le he left one dude behind for Landry's planet. And you've got treaties, food, educating people. It's a huge thing to be second contact, if that's even the term. And I like the fact, like you said, Captain Freeman is a starship captain. And mm -hmm. ideally, the worst starship captain who exists is going to be better than most people. Because you're yes. still commanding a starship. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Fine. Yeah. it's time they finally showed that in her character. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. A couple of things since um, since Keith invoked the mighty Starbuck. Uh, <laughs> two things. One, I think Starbuck is one of the greatest characters ever devised in modern televised science fiction. Agreed. Two, that leads us to say that pretty soon we're going to be in doing another one of those um what do you what do we call it beyond Outside trek. trek beyond trek oh, shows yeah. where we get to talk about other stuff and i'm so excited mm -hmm. yes yeah, that's it <laughs> all right all right veronica veronica number two number, number two, two is the ever popular those old scientists yay <laughs> yay <laughs> look that's at that first one to hit three on the list isn't it wow yeah yeah so, yeah. um, I mean, we, we pretty much <laughs> said all there is. I just had so much fun with this episode, and it was one of the ones that I was looking forward to the most um, this season, just because I love Lord X and I love Strange New Worlds, and seeing them there was so awesome. And it's probably one of one of my most rewatched episodes um, <laughs> of all of this past year. Awesome. You know, as much as they, I mean, this was like the first bit of information that we got about the second mm -hmm. season of Strange New Worlds. And yeah. it's almost like they were like, hey, guess what we're doing this year? This is what we're doing this year. And and they really kind of trailed it early, even though we never got trailers and stuff for it. They they hinted at it so much mm -hmm. that I, I kind of feel like they knew they had a big mm -hmm. winner on their hands. Like I, yeah. like, I don't think that they, you know, were... um they weren't like pro promoting it in the hopes of people liking it. Mm -hmm. it it's like they knew people they knew. like they knew. we did a really good job on this and people are going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we did. Shockingly, I don't love this episode. We'll um, get it. Only one Keith. I know those who've been listening to this for a long time probably won't be too surprised. I sometimes tend to go for more serious stuff. It's just me personally. But what I did and uh, Charles and y'all said something very interesting early. I thought was amazing. These cat, these people, these actors appear in real life as opposed to having been cartoons for all that time. Mm -hmm. And they work. 
That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I like the episode. I don't they love. got in some of the like the the like yes. standard stuff, like the Boimler butt wiggle and the Boimler <laughs> yes. walk yes. and the Boimler scream and <laughs> absolutely they work. And if you did a live action show with them, I wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah, I, totally. I wouldn't say they're not like it works. They work. They could work. And also, what I saw, uh, and again because of lower decks in the show, I also saw that they could carry a dramatic show if they needed to, a truly dramatic show. Um, and it also showed that they'd done something I don't think they had done. Well, I guess the chemistry, because the way the next the SNW crew, the Strange New Worlds crew and the Lower Decks people melded together. You could tell they like each other in real life. You could tell that they gelled together as actors. They just worked. And that's mm-hmm. hard to do. Incredibly yeah. impressive. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Before we move on, I want to say that, um, you know, Keith, I mean, I'm sorry, Chuck mentioned before going into this one. Uh, when when Veronica revealed hers that this was the first one that's been on three lists. We didn't have any single episode that hit all four lists. Wow. And I think that's really interesting. We did that's have a good. lot of crossover, but there isn't one that was like unanimously across the board. Amazing. So I, I think that's really interesting. I think that's really a testament to how the quality of the shows yeah. across the board this year. Mm-hmm. Right on. There weren't five episodes that we all agree are the five good ones. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It, it's really tough to, to to narrow it down to five. Yeah. Well, that's Star Trek at its best because if you think about everybody's favorite list of Star Trek, it always includes something incredibly serious, whether it's the inner light or in the pale moonlight. And it always includes something like the trouble with tribbles or, mm-hmm. you know, a piece of the action or something. And this, this, this gamut of shows, you're right. They, there's some that are funny. There's some that are really serious. And I think that shows that Star Trek is hitting on all cylinders right now. Absolutely. Right on. All right. All right, Mr. Keith. This was literally the hardest decision of the thing. And I and this number one and two. Okay, we we know we have talked about so many times that you you know how we always say in the original series, if you Charles, you even said this once, if you do your top ten in the original series, just come back and it changes in the original (laughs) series, right? Your number one changes. These two have changed place and they could change place while I'm talking. But number two, well, my top two. Well, number they two can't change the- places because I've already made the graphics. <laughs> so. <got> it <laughs> this one he has a graphic for. So you're locked in. <laughs> but my number two is under the cloak of war. And it, yeah, just, baby. it just works. As Charles said it earlier, it's it's a great show. It reminds me of the best of Deep Space Nine. What I love when Star Trek does is when it just gets real and when the character's a little fallible. Now. Charles, you mentioned this back when we discussed this. There's two things going on here that I still have trouble with. One is Mabinga basically killing the dude in the transporter buffer. <laughs> I, I I know he had to do it, but but doctors take an oath where they don't kill life, where they don't mm-hmm. kill. I still have a problem with that, even though it, I knew it was under the necessity of war. And then, as you said, the ending, the ending's the only thing that kind of puts this at number two instead of number one for me, because as you said, it doesn't work and even though i actually read something that was even more disturbing the director said originally they were going to kind of straight up have a resolution and they were going to show it and then they decided to pull back and do the the, the kind of blurry scene where you can't tell if Mabinga struck first or whatever it kind of doesn't matter because the fact that your chief surgeon has been carrying around his murder knife for years <laughs> and then, <laughs> then picks it up and get, you know then he gets pissed off and kills somebody i agree that's uh you know I got some nurse, issues with that. Nurse scalpel. <laughs> no, yes. no, no, that's my murder knife. <laughs> right. But at the same time, um, as Alan said, Mabinga was kind of a non-entity the first season. 
And he was one of those throwback characters where you wonder, were they just doing it because they want to bring back a character from the old stuff? But they've made him his own character. His backstory mm-hmm. is one of the most fascinating I've ever seen in Star Trek. The doctor mm-hmm. who used to be an assassin. That's amazing stuff. Now, if you get real critical, this is no longer the Nurse Chapel I recognize from the original series. That's not right. a bad thing, but it's not the Nurse Chapel I recognize in the original series. <laughs> but Jess Bush is killing it. And I have yep. been online a lot, and she is on so many people's favorites list. Mm. Her and um, Melissa Ortegas. Um, they just love those characters. And this show is just incredibly dramatically deep. And Charles, like you, I keep going back and forth about that ending. Like, that's not a Star Trek ending. But you know what? Neither was in the pale moonlight. Yeah. Neither, neither was, and I'm not yeah. going to spoil it for Matt and Elaine, but neither was Captain Cisco doing his Les Miserables, and that was not a Star yeah. Trek ending. I go back and forth, but the fact it's so controversial in my head now is why I like it even more. It's just a phenomenal show. But you know, awesome. this ending goes right back to um, in in Next Generation. Um, I think season three toys or the most toys sorry the yeah. one where data is collected by that guy called the collector or whatever he's called. i don't even know right. and when he comes back he's transported as his phaser is firing and yes. you don't know whether his phaser fired on purpose or whether it was an accident and data does not say so either yes. data lied and that is also i mean whether data fired the thing or not data lying that's two things that cannot it's not supposed to happen in Star Trek. And it's a fascinating ending. And that's kind of what you get here. Yeah. Is it a Trek ending, though? Is it right. just done for, for dramatic purposes? Or does it work as a Trek storytelling you know, mm. tool? I agree. I think it's a, and I've heard this, it's like the old famous story, The Lady of the Tiger. I think it's a Rorschach chest for you. And I think well, how you think it ends says something about you. And mm, yeah. sometimes where you are, the ending may be something different. That doesn't mean you're a bad person, but again, does Charles... <laughs> sounds like what you're saying, Keith. Yeah, does Charles kill his co-worker or not? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> well, I see we have a recurring theme in this episode. Yeah. Oh. All right, Alan, All right. number two. Number two. Uh, yeah. What can you say that hasn't already been said? <laughs> Inner Light and the, the, the two-part finale of Lower Decks, just ah! an amazing, amazing storyline. And, you know, everything about it, as, as, as Chuck said, this was movie-worthy. This was, and, and you could have done something to expand every part of this episode, you know, like um, Mariner having her, her moment with the Klingon that she's fighting where she sort of has a breakthrough and she sort of has this, this revelation about how she's been self-sabotaging. You could have expanded that and, and mm. made more of it. And it would not have dragged the story down because it's such an important moment for that character. And, yeah. you know, part of that, it, it, it pays so well because you've had four seasons of buildup to that moment. And we've seen in this season, the way that she's been basically shooting herself in the foot repeatedly and on purpose, she just doesn't realize she's doing it or why she's doing it. And um, that in itself, but then also that it finally made a specific connection back to the original episode called lower decks, which is where the whole idea for this show came from. I Mm -hmm. just assumed that they would, not really ever tie it back that specifically, but the fact that they, and I 
ask forgiveness that I don't remember the name of the actress who played Sito, but they brought her back for this story. That just blew me away and got Wesley back in too. It was just uh, yes. a fantastic two-parter. And every year, Lower Decks gets better and better and better. And it, and it started out well. Yeah. You know, all the stuff that Keith said about how uneven it was and, and how it was maybe a little bit hard to get into Mariner's character right away is very, very true. But at the same time, by the end of that season, I was like yeah. invested. Every year it has gone farther and and made. I mean, and it is my favorite modern Trek. Wow. Hands down. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know what it shows, Alan, what you just said, it reminds me of something too, is it shows what happens when you actually plot something. Because these yeah. people, yeah. both Lower Decks, Prodigy, even SNW, they're plotting these stories. They knew coming in that Mariner was going to grow. They knew that Prodigy was going to grow like it was. Um, yeah. And I and and that was the thing. They know what's going on because if they don't write the entire series arc, they definitely write their season arcs. And they have yep. given us great character growth because they have been building in great character growth and it shows absolutely shows on screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I just had a thought that I was going to say, I forgot it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, I know what it was. Um, Keith has now referenced prodigy twice. Yes. I just want to say how yes. <laughs> thankful I am that all of Prodigy got done in 2022, because if we had had a fourth season Whoa. that we had to work <laughs> into this top five, I would have oh. been sunk. I would not have known what to do. Yes. Because right. Indeed. just working on three seasons that had 10 episodes each that were of this high quality, it was so mm-hmm. hard to pick five. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to get a few comments before we move on to our number ones. Wow. Right on time. Um, let's see. We have Matt Sweatman saying they've done the Simpsons, South Park, Beavis and Butthead, even Bob's Burgers as movies. Why not Lower Decks? Why not? Indeed. I agree. Why not? I am all about that, Matt Sweatman. One of those they've even done in live action as well. So. They could do a live action Lower yes. Decks movie. Yeah, they, they should. Could. They have already proved that that is a possibility. Right. Will Indeed. Show up for that. And Matt says, also, so did you guys like those old things? <laughs> <laughs> right? You no, know, the Inner Flight slash Old Friends New Planets was on three of them as well. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Matt, yeah. some There's, of us liked those old scientists. Yeah. Not yes. Yeah. There's another one that's on three lists, but three it's out of four. On, in the top spot on two of them. So we haven't wow. quite got there yet. All right. Time All for right. the big number ones. Number so my one. number one episode of 2023 was 17 seconds. Dude. Which, ah. I, mean, I thought that was a killer episode. Um, and especially because my, my expectations going into season three of Picard were tempered because <laughs> I struggled a bit with the first two seasons. I think right. I was, they lost me about halfway through season two and I was struggling. And I mean, I was, but I was looking forward to, and I said this a lot on the podcast, Worf coming back because I love Worf. Um, but I mean, as, as I was excited too to see Riker back in doing Starfleet things. You know, he's not making a pizza and then making a cameo at the end of <laughs> the season. I mean, he's, we, we legitimately got Riker back in command of a starship. Yeah. And, but it wasn't just old Riker again. I mean, they, they really accounted for the years and the growth of that character. I mean, mm-hmm. Riker's a different person at 67, whatever, <laughs> than he was at 30. Yeah. You know, he's been through a lot in life. And 
I mean, I think this year, Jonathan Frakes has done his best work on Star Trek mm-hmm. that yeah. he's ever done. And that's yep. saying something because he's been on almost every Star Trek series. <laughs> he's directed most of the Star Trek series. <laughs> um, but I mean, both as a, he directed this episode as well as like like <laughs> Marine Battle. And I right. love the, the, whole, the whole cat and mouse with Vatic's ship and the, the portal gun was cool. And I, I loved him having to face something that we've never seen on Star Trek. We've seen portals and other things, but it's a new thing for Star Trek, a new thing for Riker to face. Mm. Uh, at the same time, while that's going on, Picard's dealing with the fact that he has a son, uh, which admittedly was not a development that I was looking forward to heading into the show. It had been <laughs> spoiled previously, and I sort of knew – I expected that to be coming. Wasn't yeah. wild about the idea. But they really sold it, I thought, in this episode. I love the scenes with between Picard and Beverly in the sick bay. I love the scenes between Riker and Picard. I love, and I I, I felt like Picard, and this is the third season of the show, but I felt like he felt more like Picard in this episode than he had previously. When they're walking away from, you know, his conversation with Beverly and, you know, Riker's like, what happened? He's like, it's immaterial. Yes. That is something that old school Picard would have said. You know, I I loved that. I loved the, the flip with, Picard saying, "Now you can call me number one," and you know, <laughs> yes. Riker's, you know, he now I'm the captain. But then they turn it on its head because all of a sudden his old boss starts questioning him on the bridge in front of everybody, <laughs> and it builds up to this "get off my bridge" uh, moment. Yes. And while all that's going on, you got—I mean, Worf made an appearance at the end of the previous episode, but this was the first full episode with Worf. It was him teaming up with Raffi. It's old man Samurai Wharf, uh, where he's the Samurai master taking yes. this young hot-headed character under his wing. Um, right. They go on a mission. The humor, all the Wharf humor worked so well in this episode, where as some of the later episodes, I didn't think it worked as well. I just yeah. felt like this episode just knocked it out of the park. I just love these characters. It was so great to see them back. You know, you have really made me regret not putting it in my top five. <laughs> I mean, and I was so close to it. Yeah. I didn't have time to go back and rewatch it. I think if I had rewatched it, I would have remembered just how spectacular this episode yeah. is. It's a good one. And, and, you know, the reason that I almost put it on my list, and you, you sort of mentioned it, you mentioned everything else that was really great about this episode. This was the best material Gates McFadden had ever mm. gotten on a Star Trek show and she was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And I just think that everything in this episode was so rock solid, man. Now I'm really wish I'd put it in my top five, but Mm -hmm. something else is funny. Charles, you talked about uh, Jonathan Frakes best acting. I find was, what was amazing is as an accomplished director and so forth as he's been, Jonathan Frakes said he was terrified to step Mm -hmm. in front of the camera for this series because he didn't know if he still had it. He didn't know right. if he was a good actor. He didn't know if he could recapture Riker. But more importantly, he didn't know if he could give, as you said, a Riker who's in his 60s, not the good looking kind of sort of Kirk replacement of the young right. uh, Riker. And he nails it. Absolutely mm-hmm. nails it. Absolutely. He, he said that in season one when they were, uh, mm-hmm. uh, when Nepenthe was, was uh, or whatever the, that episode mm-hmm. was called. I don't yeah. even know. Um, it was. Because he said, first of all, you've got Patrick Stewart. Who is Patrick Stewart? He's one of the greatest <laughs> right? actors alive. And then yeah. he said, uh, I, I also had Marina Sirtis, who had just come off of doing like a like a three-month run on West End in a big play. And yeah. he said, her acting chops are just, you know, top form. And yeah. here I am, this, this schlub of a director who's coming in amongst <laughs> these two guys. And he was worried about upholding 
you know, and he did a phenomenal job. And in Absolutely. this season too, in this season, I think even more so, I think we need a record. He had better material in this season too, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Right. All right. All right, Next. Veronica. Number two. Number- I mean, number one, number one. I forgot. <laughs> number one. <laughs> As Sorry. some people guessed, is Subspace Rhapsody. Whoop, whoop. Uh, I had forgotten you that one. never have predicted it. <laughs> no one guessed, except for several people on our Facebook page. Tony. Yes. This was such a fun episode, and I wish I knew had known some of the stuff I know about it now when we were talking about it originally, because apparently this was something that Christina Chong had been pushing for is to get to do a musical episode. And when they told her that they were finally going to get to do a musical episode in season two, she was so excited. And there were so many theater kids um, among the strange new worlds casts. um, Not only like the well-known ones, um, but um, like Christina Chong and um, Melissa. Navia. Navia. Um it was it was it was amazing. And I I know some people are like, oh, this is just a a, a thing that they're doing because everyone has to do a musical episode. Well, yes, they do, because it's a fantastic episode and there was <laughs> and there was changes that major changes that happened and mm-hmm. things from past episodes and it affected future episodes and the songs continued the story. It wasn't like they were just randomly bursting into song. For no reason, it was about it. It was about the science, and it was about oh, we're feeling this, and it was so much of this feeling that we have to sing. We have to sing, and it wasn't just a let's just throw a song in here because, mm-hmm. um, which is what granted some musical episodes do, but I thought this one was right up there with once more with feeling in so far as musical mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah, and it really, um, I was so surprised about Christine Chong. And her singing ability, because I did not expect that. And since then, I've gone and listened to some of her um, singles music, and it's yeah. she's fantastic. Yes, she's just and a fantastic say, person. And and meeting her and seeing her on social media, wow, she is super an actor because you, totally different people, hundred <laughs> percent, like one eighty. <laughs> it's amazing. I will say everybody should go to Spotify and look up yes. Christina Chong and listen to her stuff because mm-hmm. she's a, a great songwriter, a great singer. The the mm-hmm. songs are fantastic. And especially listen to the great new, I'm going to just go out on a limb and I'm just going to say it's a new Christmas classic. And that is <laughs> F.U. for Christmas. It is phenomenal. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. That's my plug. Keith. Number well, one, this, number this was, one. Pick. Yeah. And this was, again, this is one that was kind of obvious. And that is the state motto of Kansas. Ad Astra <laughs> for yep. Astra. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which being Latin can be interpreted and read in some, a billion different ways to the stars through difficulty. Through, um, and this is the episode, I guess we could say it's the modern courtroom episode. Mm-hmm. What I like about that, Charles already said a lot about it, is... For one thing, there it's much more realistic because so many Star Trek episodes, the captain or somebody is forced to become the defense lawyer, the uh, whatever. I think actually the last time we actually had an episode where it was actual real lawyers was the original court martial with uh, Captain Kirk. This is a really good episode that gets at the core of what Star Trek means and what the Federation means in universe. 
this this whole thing. Kirk actually said in the Corbomite maneuver when talking to McCoy about going over to the ship, he said, paraphrasing, this gives us an opportunity to live up to our high-minding words about what we're supposed <laughs> to be. This episode gives them an opportunity to try to live up to their high-minding, high-minded concepts. What do you do for someone who's desperate? What do you do for someone who's looking for shelter? What prejudices prejudices do we still have that need to be dealt with? Is Star Trek Worlds perfect? It's not because it's also it's a brave and bold ending because it doesn't solve the problem. It's really like for those who remember kind of sort of like don't ask, don't tell in our real life world in the United States back in the 90s when yep. President Bill Clinton basically put in place a thing, which is if you were homosexual in the military, which at the time was completely frowned upon, he basically said, if you don't tell, we won't ask, which is crap. And we all know that it was a horrible resolution. Maybe the best we could get at the time, but we've gotten beyond that. This episode does not have a really happy ending. One person gets satisfaction from the law, but you know, from both what happens in the show and for what we know in the actual series, it's going to be a struggle. They did an incredible job at also in doing that, and also one of the best guest stars I have seen in Trek history. Um, mm. And I did not—I can't believe I didn't look up the actress's name, but man, she just it, walked in there and, and owned it. It is mm-hmm. Yatita Bataki. Thank you. She walked in and owned it. Uh, and again, I keep doing this, but hailing back to the original series, the original series had some of the best guest stars because these are all Shakespearean actors and Playhouse Ninety, blah blah blah. She just walked in and joined that cast and she absolutely owned it. She would be my nominee for best guest actress of Star Trek from 2023. Mm. Well, funny you say that because Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, when we were watching the shows as they Mm -hmm. were coming out, I I sort of said that that she was the MVP of that season. I honestly, I'm going to put her right up there and say she was the MVP of 2023. Yeah. Mm. And I say that because, yes, that is my number one episode (laughs) as well. And, you know, and I talked a a little bit ago about how I struggled with putting together which five was going to make the list and in what order the five were going to go. I never had any question in my mind about what Mm. was number one. Mm. At Astro was a phenomenal episode, even though... A lot of the time, the crew is sitting around watching Star Trek on TV. As <laughs> I think, I think you get away with that because it's riveting TV. Mm-hmm. I think that it is it is written incredibly well. And as we know, when we had a a one of our special guests on a few weeks ago, that courtroom dramas in television never actually play out the way that they do in real life. Yeah, I don't care because dramatically speaking, this was. The, the a perfect episode and Yatita Bataki was just you could not pull yourself away from her anytime she was on screen yeah. she was incredible and I think that the the promise that we had of that storyline that number one was taking from the very beginning of the series and we got little bits over there of time played out in this episode so incredibly well and I just thought it was incredible television mm. so there was no question in my mind what I was going to put at number. In fact, I started my list with that at number one. So <laughs> there you go. Now, you know, as we struggled with these things, well, first of all, let me get some comments before we get into this other thing. Tony Bowers says he nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did, yep. my friend. Matt Swetman says that he's compositing our top fives. Well, I've already done that. So I'm going to, I'm going to, 
I'm going to put that up in just one second. But Matt also says, okay, his top five is Ad Astra. Number two is Inner Fight and the whole two-parter. Number three, Those Old Scientists tied for fourth place with second 17 seconds. Wow. And, oh, sorry. I guess the tie is the fifth, the fifth place with uh, Under the Cloak of War. So ones that we all chimed in on, too. So mm-hmm. that just yeah. shows you what I think that quality. Was his com- I thought that was his composite. That's his yes. composite. Oh, I see. I got you. I got you, buddy. Jeez, right, man, cool. I read that as composted, so I was really off. <laughs> he didn't care okay. for it. So since we, had, <laughs> since we, you know, all had ones that we wanted to mention in our top five, I'm going to say, you know, we all put, well, all except Veronica, uh, listed our some of our honorable mentions, and we get mm-hmm. some interesting ones there. So, um, you know, one of mine of the 17 seconds, it was so close to making my list that I, I, I had to keep it as an honorable mention, but I also picked uh caves from lower decks because i loved that episode so much and it was a great character study for all of our main cast and it was great to see our main cast together again but also strange new worlds among the lotus eaters that one was really close to making my list also i loved that episode a whole lot keith what are some of your um honorable mentions i think we had two quickly yeah, I had three and you had two of mine. I had Among the Lotus Eaters, Caves, and In the Cradle of Exelon. Yeah. And every one of these both rounded out characters and expanded characters. And one of the things I like about Among the Lotus Eaters is Pike sometimes kind of sort of borders on being too perfect, too good looking, too cool to everything. And this just reminded you again of the Star Trek thing is what's in us is barbarism. We all have it. Mm. And we see how he fights it. Love that episode for that. Cool. And, you know, I almost, I was really considering Vexalon also mm-hmm. for my list. All right, Keith? I mean, I'm sorry, Chuck? I don't know who anybody my, is anymore. <laughs> my honorable mentions were No In Scenario, Subspace Rhapsody, Caves, Parth Fringi's Heart Place, and nice. The Last Generation. And Parth Fringi's Heart Place, I'll say real quickly, I loved the building out of the planet for, of the Fringinar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the return of Raman Lita. I think it's one of the most effective... Oh, yes. I yeah. about talking about that. Bringing back oh gosh, old yes. characters that any of the new Star Treks have done. Yes. So much Good so point. that I have disliked Rom becoming Grand Nagus since, <laughs> since the 90s. And this episode turned me around. I thought they were <laughs> yeah. fantastic. And I got the chance to tell that to Chase Masterson on Facebook. And she replied and called me Charlie's. So I have a new name. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever Chase Madison calls me is my correct form of address. (laughs) Uh, But also the last generation, I think it didn't make my list because I think the, the, I have some trouble with the plotting. Um, I think it's just cheesy. Um, and a lot of respect. I think the whole let's get the entire fleet together and network the computers is for one unnecessary to the story. If you're also assimilating the crews of those ships, you don't have to also have control of the ships. Right. But also, Starfleet uh, would hopefully know better than to do that. And it's kind of embarrassing that within five minutes of launching their plan, they get hacked by the Borg again. Um, <laughs> I, I agree I also, with that. <laughs> it also annoys me anytime that like they they defeated the Borg with the power of love. I hate when that happens. <laughs> me too. <laughs> But, but I'm, I'm, I'm mentally bracing myself because Russell T is back on Doctor Who, and that's going to happen inevitably. Yes, it will. <laughs> yes, um, it will. But it was so much fun seeing those characters again all together, and I got the chance to go see them on the big screen, which I never expected to get to do after Nemesis. And I've said before right. that the first Star Trek movie that I remember seeing on the big screen was um, Generations, and I have very fond memories of every single one of 
fond-ish memories of every single <laughs> one on the big screen. But um, I to, to get all those characters back and to go see them in the movie theater with my Star Trek, you know, Picard popcorn yeah. bucket um, was yeah. just so much fun. And that's it such really a great was. memory. It so really the, was. The the joy of it, over, you know, <laughs> gets it an honorable mention, uh, even if some of the merits of the episode kept it off of my list. <laughs> all right, Veronica, what are your honorable mentions? I didn't have any. She okay. didn't send. Yeah. So okay. I I tabulated all of our picks. If something entered a list at number one, it got five points. If something okay. was named in a list at number one or number five, it got one point. And then anybody that mentioned something as an honorable mention, I gave each one of those a half point. So here That's is say. Yay. here is Good the job. definitive top ten episodes of 2023 according to earth station trek what's super interesting is that um i put um uh, moopsie at my number five in my top mm-hmm. 10 i mean in my top five caves got mentioned three times as an alt so <laughs> it got three half points which makes it the number 10 episode of the year. And one of the ones that was on my top five didn't make it onto, which I think is so interesting. I think that's really, and I'm cool. going to, I'm going to read this off for the folks listening on the audio podcast. Yeah. So starting from number one at Astra Paraspera, 13 points Inner fight slash old friends, new planets, 11 points. Those old scientists, eight points. My good lucky number, 17 seconds, six points under the cloak of war. Also six points. Subspace Rhapsody. 5.5 points, but I add 10 points, so it's 15.5. Parth Ferengi's Heart Place. <laughs> three points. <laughs> 17 seconds. Also three points. Imposters. Two points. Caves. 1.5 points. And then honorable mentions, I have no bones, but I must flee. One point. Among the Lotus Eaters. One point. And in the Cradle of Vexalon. Half a point. Uh, and nice. that's uh, that's a solid collection of episodes right there. That Oops. really I mean, is. That's, that's some really great Star Trek right there. Absolutely. Um, I don't dis like I think Alan said also I um I didn't dislike any episode last year. I'm not as high on Subspace Rhapsody, but I don't dislike it. And that's the thing. I didn't have one episode I'm like, oh God, I'll never watch that again. So yeah, it's a good list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we've got we've got a few months now until Star Trek Discovery comes back. We're also gonna have Star Trek Prodigy season two this year. Yeah. Which I'm looking forward to. As much as I enjoyed Star Trek over the past year, I would say that this past year has probably been my favorite overall year of star trek tv since the 90s i think they were wow. doing a great job but it was very the, the entire all three shows were very reference heavy this year so i'm looking forward to discovery and prodigy because they tend to bring in more new stuff and i'm looking forward to, to getting some new stuff and does anyone else have any closing thoughts before we close this out i can't wait for prodigy okay yeah great great year of star trek mm-hmm. uh, great really good year of star trek man yeah. All right, Alan, where can people find more of you on the internet? Well, how about you go and check out my other podcast, which is called Modern Musicology. We are just about to start our third year, and our third year kicks off with our episode number 100. And we are going to be doing a show where we are interviewed by our listening audience. We asked people to send us questions and we've got a quite a few really, really great questions that I'm going to read out to my co-hosts and we're all going to answer them. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And then I also have another podcast called Doctor Who A to Z, all time to Zygon. 
And we have just reviewed all of the 60th anniversary episodes and the debut episode of the 15th Doctor, Shuti Gatwa. So go check those out. How about you, Keith? You can find me on X and Instagram and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. How about us, Veronica? FeltNerdy.com. Yep. And the Felt Nerdy and Dirty Show on yes. Facebook. And we're we're launching February 25th, the biggest show we've ever done, which will be debuting at the Red Light Cafe here in Atlanta. Um, so keep an eye out for that. We'll be having we'll have tickets on sale for that soon. Uh it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be mm-hmm. exciting. It's uh we're really nervous about it. So, yeah. <laughs> so <we'll come>. um, <laughs> and, and where else can people find us? Monkeying around, a podcast about the monkeys. And do you have a closing for us this week? I'm the X. Hey, perfect. <laughs> Join us next week. Uh, we'll be going live Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Maybe we'll go ahead and do our Beyond Trek episode that week if everybody's on board with that. We didn't yeah, sure. That. Yeah, that works for me. I didn't pull the trigger. Yep. Um, you get to hear us talk about something other than Star Trek for a change. We'll talk about some other sci-fi that we love. So that'll be Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can join us on Facebook or on our Facebook group. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. All Have right. a great 2024. Bye-bye, y'all. Have a good year. Take care. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.